Welcome to Between Heaven and Earth, an internet radio talk show where we help you connect spirit and divine guidance. Lisa Kay, your host, brings you shows that can enhance and transform your life with tips and new ideas for more happiness, abundance, and better relationships. Lisa is an expert on intuition and can show you how to strengthen your inner guidance to empower yourself. Each show is positive and uplifting to inspire your day. Her guest speakers are specialists on self-help, positive thinking, spirituality, and conscious living. Be the best that you can be with Between Heaven and Earth, conscious living for your soul. And angel blessings to everyone. I'm Lisa Kay, and this is Between Heaven and Earth Radio. And as you know, this show is about helping you live a better life. Uh, I like to call it edutainment, where we bring you speakers and topics about everyday spirituality, ideas for happiness and abundance and better relationships. And in fact, in the spirit of Valentine's Day, our show today is called How to Find Your Soulmate and Keep Them. Finding your soulmate is easier and faster when you know with guidance from your when you know where to go with guidance from your intuition. And I'm going to talk to you today about how you can use some five simple tips to access intuitive information that's going to tell you where to go, what to do, and how to find the right person for you. And then later on in the show, if you are already in a relationship, I'm going to talk about some things that you can do to keep your love going. So it's a show all about love, all about relationships, and I'll be sharing all of these things with you throughout our show today. So why don't we begin? So I wanted to tell you a little bit about soulmates. Apparently Plato tells the story about soulmates being bonded together as one, and then Zeus split them apart. So, um, and Zeus is obviously a Greek god. And ever since then, the two soulmates that were split apart are have been seeking each other out, where each half is look, looking to be completed by the other half. So that's kind of the uh, definition of a soulmate um, based on mythology, uh, Greek mythology. And soulmates have this unspoken understanding of each, each other where they feel united as if they're twins. Um, and they almost feel like when they're together, they're one. And since then, lots of people have been looking for their perfect mate, that one and only soulmate. Now, you might de- debate whether or not a soulmate actually exists, uh, but, you know, in general, many of us seek that special someone that we can be with who is like no other, that one person that's going to fit us the best. Now, your intuition knows who is right for you and who is not. And when it comes to love, our minds get clouded with like overthinking. And we have this ideal of who we believe is going to be our perfect partner. But our inner guidance knows who would be the perfect love mate for us. And finding them requires a lot less thinking and tuning into more of that inner guidance. So here are some steps that you can use to use your intuition to find your soulmate. There are five of them, and I'll go through each one of them. Okay, so let's go through the five. Number one, have an open mind. Now, interestingly enough, 
finding someone that you can share your innermost self with, your hopes and your dreams, someone who's going to really understand you and someone you could share your heart and your day-to-day life with requires an open mind. Who you might think is your dream partner may just be this construct that you've created. It, it, It could be a little too ideal and a little bit too restricted and that's something I have found with a lot of people that I've spoken to um, and counseled throughout the years. So when you have an open mind, your intuition can more easily be heard. And that's what's why having an open mind is really important. So when, is, when do you have an open mind? Well, it's usually the time when you're relaxing and you're not looking. And that's the best time when your intuition can guide you to someone who actually might surprise you. So you might want to start out uh, just hanging out, maybe making friends or going about looking for things that are interesting to you, getting involved with uh, groups or perhaps um, looking into some of the interests, the side interests that you might have. And you may run into somebody who might surprise you. Now, remember, judgment is is going to squash your intuitive messages. So you want to put away your criticism, put away your judgment, and your preconceived notions of that Prince Charming or, or maybe that ideal princess for you. And that leads us to number two. So number two is to take action and hold your preconceived ideas at bay. Hold them off. For example, your intuition might say to you, Go and talk to that person over there. And at the same time, you might be thinking, well, you know, that person doesn't look very interesting. Why should I go over there? But you never know because your intuition does know the right person. Somehow, you know instinctively, intuitively who the right person is. And your intuition knows without you knowing how you know it. So go over and talk to that person and see where your intuition leads you. It may be that person. It might be the person that they know that they introduce you to, you never know. So number two is take action and hold your preconceived ideas at bay. All right, number three. I hope you're all writing these down. Number three, forget the signs. Now, a lot of people come to me searching for their soulmate and looking for that, that one person. They look so hard for the one and uh, they are looking for signs that reassure them that they found that person. They've met somebody, and they think that they might be the soulmate that they're looking for, and now they're trying to find all the signs, all the messages that uh, tell them that this is the right person. They've sort of predetermined who their soulmate is going to be, so they try to make a person fit that description. And they're looking for all those indicators and um, just to affirm for them that their search is over. Now, the funny thing is that if you've really found your soulmate, you don't need signs to tell you. You just know. It's just, you just know. It just feels right. You intuitively know it. So forget the signs. That was number three. Okay. Uh, Number four. It's really okay to be just friends and to be comfortable friends. You know, sometimes you may find that a person who starts out as your friend is somebody who might be your soulmate. 
And soulmates will know each other because it's going to feel like a comfortable friendship. So it might not be the person that you expected. And I know that some of you might be thinking, well, you know, friends and lovers are not the same and I can't be, you know, um, I can't make one of my friends a lover. Well, I don't think you should put the labels on it. Uh, it may start out as just a friendship and then change and that's okay. And as you know, um, it's always nicer to have a relationship with someone who is your friend. And you may find that your soulmate becomes and is your best friend. So they might not be the person you expected. And in the beginning, you might find that you're just comfortable, right? Just comfortable friends. It intuitively feels right. It's going to feel natural and calm. It, it'll be something like you can, say, sit on the couch all day and just talk to each other or be together, not doing much at all. But it feels just right. And that could be your soulmate. So number four is it's okay to be comfortable friends. And the last one, number five, and I'll go over these uh, briefly again before we go to break. Watch out, number five is watch out for those subtle, nagging feelings. Now, the wrong person may actually make you feel very excited at first. You might have extreme excitement. You might be, oh my gosh, this is the person. I, I'm so in love. But then somewhere along the line, you find yourself saying, you know, I love him or her, and they make me feel really excited, but I have this little nagging feeling that something is not right. Now, it's not necessarily fear, but it's actually just like everything's going okay, but something just doesn't fit. Uh, something just nags you, and that is your intuition telling you that this may not be the right person for you. You don't want to confuse it with fear that they might leave you, but rather that... Um, you know, this is, this is great. Um, I, I enjoy this person. They're intelligent. They're funny. Uh, but intu intuition and intuitive messages are very subtle and fleeting. Uh, the, these real intuitive messages don't always yell and scream at you. They're often like whispers. And they will allow you to make your conscious decisions and your choices for yourself. Um, but they're and they're not going to force you to do something, so you have to listen very carefully. And you know, I think we've all gone through this. I know I have long time ago, um, being with someone, and uh, it was you know it was that uh, falling in love and being so excited, and then but something just didn't feel right. It, and I think it was every now and then something would be said or something would be done by this other person and it just didn't sit right with me. Um, it didn't, it didn't jive. It didn't uh, fully feel right. And it turned out that it wasn't the right person for me. So watch out for those subtle nagging feelings. So let's go through those five again. And this is how you can use your intuition to help you find your soulmate. Number one, have an open mind, right? The person that you may not think is the right person might be the right person. So be open. Number two, take action and hold your preconceived ideas at bay. So take action and, you know, put that thought aside. Oh, they don't look like the right, the interesting person that I thought would be my soulmate. But just go and check them out. Your intuition is telling you. Forget the signs is number three. And number four is it's okay to be comfortable friends. 
And the last one is watch out for those subtle nagging feelings. That's your intuition telling you something just ain't right. We're going to go to break and when we come back, we're going to talk about how to keep your relationship going if you have one. And welcome back. I'm Lisa Kay and you're listening to Between Heaven and Earth Radio. And we are here every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time live. Or you can always catch us on the archives. And we also have a Facebook page out there. It's facebook.com slash Between Heaven and Earth. And I post out there the shows when they come up. So you can go in there, like us, and it'll come up in your news feed. And you can see when our new shows are coming and what they are about uh, we try, we have a wonderful lineup of guests that are um, come and talk to us about all kinds of things, whether it be how to heal yourself or with a lot of different kinds of um, natural and holistic remedies. So whether it's be energy healing, Tai Chi, um, EFT, you name it, we've got people that talk about that. We have people who come and talk about how to improve your love life, or if you're a woman, how to empower yourself, and um, and even people who talk about their near-death experiences. They're some of the best shows we've had. We've had some amazing guests. So go to our Facebook page, facebook.com slash Between Heaven and Earth, and you'll see there the shows as they get posted, and um, and we try to keep that updated. So come over and like us. And and you'll get to be updated on what we're doing on this show. Uh, we're also on blogtalkradio.com slash LMK88. I wanted to move on and talk a little bit about what happens when you have a relationship already. How do you keep it going? There are things you can do that can keep it going. And I think what's important is knowing what uh, what makes a re- a relationship work in terms of what your loved one is thinking and what is meaningful for them and also what is meaningful for you in terms of an expression of love, right? So I wanted to talk a little bit about love languages and this is something that a New York Times bestseller, Gary Chapman, has come up with and it's actually phenomenal. So he wrote a book called The Five Love Languages, and you might have heard of it. Uh, If you have, great. If not, even better. I suggest you um, take a look at it. It's really quite an eye-opening book. So if you're wondering how do you keep your relationship going, you have to understand what these languages are. You know, you might feel like in your relationship that flame is flickering and you want to know how to get it back. You really need to know what your and your loved one's love language is. And Gary shows you how you can have a great, supportive, and loving relationship that has passion, excitement, and fun years into your relationship or your marriage. He also explains to you why you experience conflict in your love relationships, whether it's with your spouse or with your children or or anyone else that you have a close relationship with. Um, It's... It's all about what makes each of us feel loved. He also reports that uh, his five love languages has changed and often saved thousands of relationships, maybe more now. Uh, His book has sold over um, 10 million copies. It's been around a long time. 
And I've actually, uh, he has a, uh, a way of rating your love languages and we'll talk a little bit about that later, but the, but I wanted to explain what these love languages are. And these love languages are, are acts or, uh, words or things that people do to make us feel loved or someone else feel loved. You can also use your intuition to help you find out the best way to speak someone else's love language. So, see, intuition comes in all different ways. Gives us the best answer. So let's talk about the five love languages because uh, those things that make us feel loved are not the same for everybody, interestingly enough. And when we feel love, uh, our love tank, a quote love tank as Gary calls it, starts to fill up. So he has this analogy that we all have a love a love tank, like a gas tank. And he says, I'm going to quote from him, adults all have a love tank. If you feel loved by your spouse, the whole world is right. If the love tank is empty, the whole world can begin to look dark. So we want to keep our love tank filled. Um, and our love tank fills when, it sounds funny, love tank, <laughs> but our love tank fills when acts of love are done for us and, and, they have to be expressed through our own love language, the language that uh, has meaning to us. And what's really interesting about these five love languages is that now you might have all five. Oh, I think we all do to some extent, uh, but there's always a primary one, kind of like your Claire, your Claire's. You have the primary Claire. Um, and if someone doesn't speak your love language, they then basically you won't feel the love because uh, they're not, it's not being communicated to you. It's not getting through to you. So here are the five languages of love. And I want you to listen and see which one resonates with you. So number one, acts of service. So doing acts of service. And Gary says, quote, the, for these people, where acts of service is their love language, for these people, actions speak louder than words. And it's not just any act, it's an act of service, right? Doing something for someone else. So for these people, doing an act of service for them, it touches them very deeply and very emotionally. And when you take time to think about helping them out, they see it as an expression of your love for them. And here are some examples. You're probably wondering, what is an act of service? It's kind of like an act of kindness. <laughs> but here are some examples. Uh, and you might be surprised what they are. Cleaning up and picking up the clutter in the home or the space that you share. Making dinner for them. Walking their dog. Maybe washing the dishes after you share a meal together. Or, you know, generally doing chores so that they don't have to. And here are more from Gary. He says, like, keeping the car in good operating condition, paying the bills, setting the table, maybe taking care of the kids. And all these require time and planning and thoughtfulness. And, it, the, and so they're felt as an expression of love because you're thinking about the other person and have to take the time to go and do these things. And, you know, it takes a lot of thought. And the, uh, the service that you do, the more you plan and think through it, the, the more the service, I guess the person is expressing their love even, even more deeply. Um, 
So I'll, I'll give you an example, a little story. Uh, one of the things that my husband does is he does acts of service. That's what uh, is important to him. And one thing that he did for me was this was way back when we were, we were just married and we're going on our honeymoon and uh, we were going to visit Singapore. Now at that time, this is many moons ago, um, I was not in the best of shape. I never exercised uh, and I was really terrible out in the sun. Basically, if I got too hot outside, I would melt. Um, I wouldn't, I would just basically faint. So it was, you know, and going to Singapore was one of those things where I'd had to be, I was thinking, oh my gosh, how am I going to go out? Singapore is at the, it's on the equator. It's an island on the equator. It's super hot and it's super humid and just being there will will melt anything. (laughs) So we wanted to go and walk around and see the sights and see the city. So what my husband did, and he had been there before, was he planned out a route for us, for me basically, to walk and see um, interesting sights. And along the way, he planned it such that about the time that he figured I would get tired and need something to drink, that there would be a place where I could buy something to drink and sit down and rest. That was a really amazing act of service. So he and he didn't tell me this. He just he did it, and we went out. And uh, yeah, I was a little nervous about being out in the sun, but you know, every time I started to get tired and, and I needed something, a nice cool drink, there was a place to get something. And uh, so so that was an act of service that was done kind of in silence. <laughs> but I recognized that as, and that, that's a wonderful expression of love. So now you can use your intuition to help you figure out the best way to do your act of service for your loved one. And, and maybe that was something that he did. Uh, but the reason why you might want to use your intuition is maybe you're not so sure about what act of service would be best expressed, what they would feel. Because not all acts of service are the same. You know, what is it that um, your loved one would appreciate? So what you can do is you can ask your intu- intuition what can I do as an act of service so when my loved one comes home today, their life is a little easier? So what can I do for my loved one today that's going to make their life a little bit easier? And you might think of something logically or something might just pop up in your head. And that's because uh, our intuition always knows without us knowing how we know it. And the pop-ups are the best things to hang on to. So there's a wonderful way. So that's number one, acts of service. Uh, We've got four more to go. And when we come back from our break, we'll go over the rest. And you're listening to Between Heaven and Earth, Conscious Living for Your Soul. And we are at our half-hour mark. And I wanted to let you know about some um, some of the things that... That I do, uh, and I, you know, many years ago, I tried when I first tried to use my intuition to help. I used it to try to figure out what job I should take. I was in Jakarta, actually, um, Indonesia, which is uh, interesting. That's another story. I lived there for about a year, and I was. I remember trying to figure out what. Uh, what what job I should take? There were a couple opportunities where and. Also, I could, because I was going to another country, um, there were some different opportunities for me than there were when I was here in, in the United States. So about that time, I l- learned how to connect to my intuition within, and I tried to ask my intuition 
you know, what should I do? Where should I go? And the only thing that happened was um, I got more confused because it didn't tell me exactly what I should be doing. It gave me information that was piecemeal, and I, I didn't really um, understand it. So it was it was very frustrating. Um, I know you're wondering, what, what did I end up doing in, in Jakarta? I actually ended up working for a large conglomerate, and uh, that was probably just sort of um, synchronicity the way it all worked out, but I, I worked for the uh, board of directors and the um, head of this large conglomerate, and I was, as my boss said, I was seconded out to the different technology, uh, the different companies they had in their technology um, departments and worked for CIOs and consulted to them. So that's what I ended up doing, and it was really fascinating. Actually, what was more fascinating was my life there in Indonesia, but that's probably another show. Um, but I, I, what was great about being in Jakarta and in Indonesia, it's a very uh, mystical place, and everyone believes in in the magic of the connection we have inside to our our divine guidance. Um, and so, I would read every book I could get my hands on uh, when I was at home. Uh, I I didn't really know much about my intuitive guidance inside or whether it was working or not. Um, so I, I continued that. I Even after I came back from Jakarta, I took courses and I did lots of research on intuition. And I discovered some lesser known but some very powerful techniques that constantly work and they worked for me. It was really quite amazing. And I experimented and I improved these techniques and I I found that I could easily access my intuition and know when my intuition was giving me an answer or when I was making it up. And I found that I could use my intuition very successfully in all kinds of scenarios, as I mentioned earlier, whether it's relationships or whether it was with work, uh, finding all the right things to do, places to go. And even when I was in difficult situations, and I had a few, I was able to make decisions that gave me the best and most often amazing outcomes. Uh, And if you go to my website, there's a little story on the front that tells you about how it saved my life. Um, So anyway, I began to teach others how to use these intuition techniques. And I started to teach it in a two-day course. And I found that the students were able to right away easily access their intuition too and and actually make it work for them. Actually, I had a, um, a Q&A webinar session last night. We did an intuition exercise uh, for some beginners, and they, they were amazing. They came up with some, some amazing intuitive uh, information that there's no way they could have known other than, than this magic of intuition. Um, it's very exciting to watch my beginner students uh, really make those connections and get the hits um, so easily. And I, I, that's what I'd love to do. And I wanted to share these with you because I love to teach people how to develop their intuition. And I teach it online through webinars. I have uh, the full two-day course is now actually an online course. And it's totally complete and comprehensive. It's what I, all the things that I've learned. And I teach people how to make their intuition happen when they want, on what they want, and know the difference between a real intuitive message and when you're making it up. Um, and the techniques works. You can get your intuition to work with you for you consistently and reliably. You can control it so you can get messages about what you want to know. 
and get lots more detail than just those kind of strange pop-up feelings that you don't know what they mean. And we also talk about intuitive energy, human energy, metaphysical energy, and how that all kind of relates to your intuitive body. Um, so if you want to find out more, you can go to my website and get a free ebook on how to develop your intuition and intuition exercises you can do alone at home. Just go to lmk88.com and sign up for my newsletter or basically my newsletter list and it's going to send it to you automatically, automatically download and you'll get all that and a bunch of other free things that, because uh, I love to share and um, I, I'd like to, for you to get engaged with what I've got out there. It's good stuff. I wanted to go back and we were talking about the five languages of love so you can hang on to the relationship you have and bring back that spark in it. And get back to the beginning of when you fell in love and, um, and really make your relationship um, that happy, blissful, exciting, romantic relationship that you had in the beginning. Uh, we talked about the five languages of love. We went over the first one, acts of service. And I wanted to uh, just give you a quote from the gentleman who created this. Gary Chapman, and he says, um, from his point of view, acts of service. So, so I'm going to quote him here. Can vacuuming the floors really be an expression of love? Absolutely. Anything you do to ease the burden of responsibilities weighing on an act of service person will speak volumes. The words he or she most wants to hear is, quote, let me do that for you. Laziness. Okay, so, that, so, so that's a person who... Love language is acts of service. So that's what you can do for them. Now, the opposite for the, or the thing that can, you could really kind of screw this up. Um, but with someone whose love language, primary love language is acts of service through, as he says, laziness, broken commitments, and making more work for them, tell speakers of this language their feelings don't matter. So you have to be careful, right? You have to be able to do both, not just the service, but also know that if you are not paying attention uh, to the things you do for somebody or not do for somebody, that it can actually hurt your relationship. So finding ways to, to serve, as he says, speaks volumes to the recipient of these acts. So think of the ways that you can serve someone. You can help them out if that's their acts of service. And uh, we will talk about, if you, I'll, I'll keep mentioning this, but if you want to test out what your love languages, you can go to his website. Um, he should be on my show right now because I'm talking all about him, talking him up. <laughs> uh, FiveLoveLanguages.com. And I believe that's his, his website. I'll double check that for you. But uh, I just think it's most amazing. I, I, a lot of people have. They've read his book and say it's changed their relationships. And um, I think it's more than just your relationship with your significant other, but your relationship with your family, with your your children, with your parents, with uh, maybe even in a way your friends. Um, you know, we love our friends, so you have to know what their love language is. And uh, you know, maybe you have a friend who always likes to give you gifts. Well, hey, that tells you what their love language is. That's one of the ones. We're going to go to break, and when we come back, we're going to finish up the list, uh, or at least get start walking through the list 
uh, and finish up our list of five languages of love. So I want you to keep tuning in. We'll be talking about the rest and also where you can, um, how you can find out what your love language is, or maybe your multiple love languages, what your primary one is, and what your significant other, uh, or maybe even your child's love language is. So stay tuned and we'll finish up our list. We'll be right back. And welcome back. You're listening to Between Heaven and Earth Radio, and I'm Lisa Kay, your host. And we're talking about the five love languages in the spirit of February and Valentine's Day. So what is it you could do to help improve your uh, relationship with your loved one and keep that love going? And that's what we're talking about. And uh, there are five love languages that each of us has. And of the five, there's one that might be your primary language that um, you need, that you use to fill your love tank, quote love tank, that make you feel like you're being loved. So these are the, actually, if you want to say, these are the five things that make you and your loved one feel loved. So when you understand what they are, you can demonstrate and show your love to someone else. And But it can also explain why you might not feel so loved. Because if they don't do these things, if they're not speaking your language of love, then you're not going to feel loved. So the first one was acts of service. And the second was words of affirmation. So what are words of affirmation? So in this language, uh, as Gary says, these, this language uses words to affirm other people. That's a quote from him. The words of love are more than just saying, I love you. Though for those whose love language is words of affirmation, saying love, I love you, is certainly very, very powerful. Um, but words of affirmation can also be a compliment, like, you look incredible in that suit, or you look beautiful in that dress, or that outfit looks absolutely gorgeous on you. So that those are words of affirmation. Or here's another one, quote, I really like... I really like how you're always on top of planning our vacations together. That's a words of affirmation. Or perhaps it might be, you know, I love the way you make me laugh. Now, by the same token, words that are misspoken or negative words for someone whose love language is words of affirmation, those negative words can be devastating. So you have to be careful about what words you do use. So using words that are encouraging and kind are really important to someone whose love language is words of affirmation. Now your intuition can help you choose the best words to express your love. And when you need or want to say something loving, this is what you do. You pause and allow your feelings of love to inspire your words. Compassion and empathy are the things that help you find the right words for you every time. So be compassionate. Have empathy with the person whose love language is words of affirmation, and that'll help you find the right words. Okay, that's number two, words of affirmation. Number three is receiving gifts. And Gary says, for some people, that what makes them feel most love is to receive a gift. Now, giving gifts is, is this universal human expression of appreciation and love. For, for some people, uh, receiving a gift is the biggest expression of love just for them. 
And as I mentioned earlier, you know, uh, I have a friend who loves to give gifts. I have a couple of friends and you know that that's important to them. That's their love language. So if your loved one's primary love language is receiving gifts, then giving then giving them a gift on their birthday or anniversary or even on one of those no special reason days uh, can go a long way, you know, to make them feel appreciated and very loved. So giving gifts and some people it doesn't matter and other people it means a lot. Um, so it's, it's not the size of the gift that counts though here. It's, What's important is your thought and your expression of love behind the gift. And that's going to have the most meaning in this love language of receiving gifts. So you want to pick a gift that, um, that you've thought about, that you, know, that you know that they would like. If you're just regifting something or you're you know, not putting a whole lot of thought into something you get someone whose language is receiving gifts, that's going to be not so good for them. That's going to make them feel probably bad. So you want to be careful, uh, but you also want to pick the gift that's best for them. And what you can do is you can use your intuition to pick a gift that's the best uh, and perfect gift. And so when, when you're selecting one, if you're going into the store, you're thinking about it, see what you're drawn to. Think about the person. Think about who they are. Feel love and compassion for them. And see what, and if you glance over the shelves, see what pops out at you and what you're drawn to. You may find that, you know, hey, that was the perfect, that is the perfect gift. Uh, I was in the store once doing that, just picking a gift for someone. And um, I was using my logic brain. I was going through every little thing on the shelf and trying to figure out what should be the best for them. Funny thing was that when I first glanced at the shelf, my eyes landed on an object, which uh, I ended up buying for them after going through all the logic things. Because the thing that I had originally that caught my eye, as I went through everything in the store, I realized, oh, you know, that is the perfect gift for them. So that's a way you can use your intuition to help you pick the right gift. Okay, so that's uh, number three, receiving gifts. Number four is physical touch. So Gary says, to this person, nothing speaks more deeply than appropriate touch. So physical touch might seem obvious to you that some people, that, you know, people are going to feel love through physical touch. You might think of a hug or a kiss or being um, intimate physically is the clearest expression of love and particularly for this love language. But it could be other things as well. And it could be just holding hands. It could be a light touch on someone's arm or leg when you're sitting with them, your loved one, or if, they're, if your loved one's walking by, uh, just putting your hand on them. That can mean so much. So if this is your loved one's primary love language, these little small actions of touch can be extremely powerful. Now, remember, your physical feelings are connected to your intuition. So you can use your physical intuitive feelings that may be urging you to touch your loved one in a certain way to be just the right thing that they, that your loved one who likes physical touch is going to respond the best to. And, you know, we get, I think interacting physically is a very intuitive thing. So this is where your intuition can really play a very large role in 
communicating your love with someone else. So I hope you're following all these and you're thinking about what your love language is and what resonates with you. So we're gonna we're coming up to number five. So number one was acts of service. Number two was words of affirmation. Three was receiving gifts. Four was physical touch. And five is quality time. And quality time, uh, as Gary says, this language is all about giving the other person your undivided attention. Being with somebody. Now, if you're you or your loved one's love language is quality time, giving them your undivided attention is the best way you can show your love. So that means when you're with your loved one, you want to put your cell phone away, you don't want to look at the computer as you're being with them or the television, you want to give them 100% of your attention. Now, sometimes this love language also includes time to just be together. You may not have to say anything. You are just together um, in the same space, enjoying something together. That is quality time. It might be sharing your day uh, with somebody after, when, you know, after your day. So this quality time could be coming back from work or coming home, getting together and sharing your experiences and what, what your day was like while your loved one listens very carefully right? You got to be listening carefully and be very empathetic to listening to the story. So this is very important. And you can use your intuition to pick up, um, to, to basically, uh, know what to say in response. You know, you're feeling, you're intuiting. And it's like, you're really grokking, uh, an old term, an old term that came from, um, I think it was a book, an old sci-fi book really meant that you really got what they are thinking, feeling, and, underst and, and understanding them that well. Uh, one of the things you can do, do with your intuition is you can use it to pick places that you could go and spend time with your loved one whose love language is quality time. Uh, quality time happens to be something that both my husband and I are, uh, is our highly rated love language. And, uh, and speaking of that, just because there are five of these love languages doesn't mean that, you know, there's only one that, you, that has meaning for you. You can have several of them. So we, and we love to spend time together. So it's nice that we see eye to eye on that uh, from our love language. And that's where we can communicate our love. So how do you know what your partner's love language is? It usually comes out when your loved one complains because inside of them, they know what fills their love tank. And that's how you can see what it is that they're looking for. Gary says that these complaints reveal an inner longing for their emotional love. So here are some examples, and I'll read them, and you can kind of guess where the love language, what love language goes to that. Um, you mean you didn't bring me anything? Didn't you even miss me when you were gone? So that's receiving gifts. Another one is, oh, we never spend any time together anymore. It's like we're two ships passing in the dark. That's quality time. I don't think you would ever touch me if I didn't initiate it. Physical touch. I can't do anything right around here. All you ever do is criticize. I can never please you. That's words of affirmation. And if you love me, you would do something around here. You know, you never lift a, uh, lift a finger to help. 
acts of service. So listen to those complaints and that'll tell you what your love language may be. Well, we're at the end of our show and I hope you enjoyed it. It's all about love and how to keep it. So you've been listening to Between Heaven and Earth, Conscious Living for Your Soul. We're going to be back here next week. Angel blessings to everyone. We'll see you then.